Welcome to the Harmony Christian Church Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. Praise the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Good to be with you. We were talking earlier about trust. I trust the Lord. He's faithful. Amen. Yes. You know, faith is when you believe, you're standing on the word, you you just you know and you're knower that it's he's gonna come through, he's going to fulfill what he promises. Faith is picking things up, trust is laying things down. Faith is picking up the promises of God and standing on the promises of God. Trust is when it doesn't look like the promises may be even working. You still trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not upon his own understanding, on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. See, trust is something you have to have if you're ever going to rest. You cannot rest if you do not trust. But once you learn to trust in the Lord with all your heart and you learn to lay things down, I'm just trusting in you. I may not even be able to recall the promises, but I know my God. And I trust in him. And whenever I trust in the Lord with all my heart, then I can rest. Bought a house about uh, it was a year ago, uh, January 31st, and uh, remodeled it. Took me until August to get it done. Been trying to sell that house since August. But you know what? I never had a single day of anxiety. Wondering whether I was going to sell that house or not. And I didn't have $200,000 just laying around that, you know, I could spare waiting seven months to sell. But I never had a single day of anxiety. And I just give that as a praise to God because I've learned to trust in him. I've learned that he is faithful. And we sold the house Friday. It's going to be a beautiful home. Trusting in the Lord. That, that's just a minor situation. I know some of you are dealing with major, major situations, maybe with family or whatever. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not upon your own understanding. Faith picks things up. Trust lays it all down and says, I trust in you and I rest in you. The sign of a true believer is one who knows how to trust and who knows how to rest. And if we could show a lost and dying world how to do just that, I think we'd see a tremendous revival take place. Hallelujah. Just want to remind you that uh, 16 days ago was Groundhog Day. I know you need that, re that reminder. <laughs> Groundhog Day, that's the day that the pastor, if he sees the shadow, there'll be six more weeks of this series. About three weeks ago, uh, Pastor Josh asked if I wanted to fill the pulpit anytime soon, and we decided on today, uh, the 18th. So I, I started working on my message uh, that week, and this thought kept rattling around in my head, you become what you behold. And that just kept, I just kept going over that and over that. So three weeks ago, I had totally developed a message on what you uh, be, what you become, you behold. Well, we came to church that following Sunday, which was two Sundays ago. 
And do you happen to remember what Pastor Josh's catchphrase was? You become what you behold. Three-fourths of my scriptures he used in my message. So I don't know how he got a copy of my notes, but I sent them to him, I texted them to him, and, and it's just amazing how they, they, it just all lined up. And, you know, really I'm glad that he gave my message because he did a better job at it than what I would have. Aren't you glad we serve the same God, the same Holy Spirit? Hallelujah. The only problem is now, what am I going to speak to you this morning on? <laughs> well, there's some methods we could use. You know, we could just go, and then, oh, you sinner. I could uh, go down to the local restaurant and the guys that are in there every morning, I could see what they thought, if they had any ideas. I could phone a friend, see what they think. Surely there's an app for that, right? Uh, I, I really do feel I could go someplace warm and get out on a pontoon on the water. I think the Lord would share with me what I'd need to speak on on any given Sunday morning. I think that's a great idea. Uh, if all else fails, I could Google it. I could Google it. Pastor stole my message. Now what do I do? But the novel idea is what? To go into our closet and seek his face and see what he'd have for us. Amen? So I'll go with second best this morning. <laughs> I really do believe the Lord has a word for us this morning. Our first uh, frame there, Chad. Salvation is a person, not an event. Life is relational, not just transactional. That's an entire message right there. We could go home if you just pondered on that, if you just thought on that. We could go home right now, and I think you could be fulfilled for today's message. Salvation is a person, not an event. And some might, somebody might say, well, how can that be? Because I remember the very day that I was uh, born again. I know the exact time whenever I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. How can salvation not be an event? But salvation, if it is an event, then all your salvation means is that you signed on the dotted line, you prayed the right prayer, you went to the believer's class, you got your certificate, you was baptized, and that would be the sum of your salvation. But salvation is not the event, it is a lifestyle, it is a lifestyle in the person of Jesus Christ. That's our salvation. I have used probably 90% uh, of the time, all my messages here in the last couple of years, I've used this next quote here from William Booth, who's the founder of the Salvation Army. It says, the chief danger that confronts the coming century will be, this was in 1899, getting ready to go into the 1900s. He said, the chief danger that confronts the coming century will be religion without the Holy Ghost, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, heaven without hell. 
To me, that's one of the most powerful quotes that I've ever read. And I could build an entire message on just breaking down each one of those and talking about those. But do you see the accuracy of that prophetic quote even for today? And I'm concerned here in our Western culture that uh, not only outside the church, but even inside the church, we are fulfilling this prophecy. Our American culture is turning less American because we are less Christian. We, even in our churches, we're becoming more religious and less Christ-centered. I see it. Therefore, religion without the Holy Ghost and Christianity without Christ can take over if we are not vigilant, if we are not aware And if we don't train and equip, and if we don't go out and make disciples of Jesus Christ, not just disciples of the church, we need to be talking about Christ Jesus. He is the ultimate. No greater event than Jesus Christ coming to this earth and redeeming mankind. Hallelujah. Let me use this analogy. I have another picture there. That is a picture of an under-the-counter light that I bought this week at Walmart. And that thing was packaged so well that it took a razor blade to get it out of the package. That's the way they package things now. They've made things not only child-proof, but they're nearly adult-proof. Amen? I uh, want to use this analogy of how that the consumer market, we've become experts at packaging things. I went to Harbor Freight a couple of months ago and I bought a a, a battery tester. And that thing was shrink-wrapped. And then it had some other wrapping around it, something like this. And by the time I had got cut into the thing and got it out, all the stuff that was protecting the battery tester, I had damaged the battery tester. We have shrink-wrapped and we have just so well packaged things today when we uh, are unwrapping the Christmas presents with the with the kids it takes a minimum of a pocket knife and sometimes it takes a screwdriver and a pair of pliers then to get get the kids present open so you can play with whatever's in there you know foods are now packaged and preserved with a couple of years of shelf life Uh, if you want fresh food it will come without the preservatives and without all the shrink wrap, uh, all the vapor lock. Uh, it, it needs to be consumed within two or three or four days, and then it needs to be replenished. Is anyone making any kind of spiritual connection here? We uh, are in a consumer market, and we can even see that get over into the church, become consumers. I come in, and what is it that you can give me today? And we've gotten to be where we're professionals here in the Western culture. I think even of packaging things here within the church. We can make things where they're so eye-appealing, but it really has no spiritual food value to it. Some, if not many, have uh, packaged things in such a way that, that it's difficult to even get into the package. And we can even do that in the church. We make it difficult for people to come in 
we make it difficult sometimes even for the Holy Spirit to come in and to move. I think many have uh, boxed the gospel in nice, neat little packages. They're convenient to carry around. They're easy to manage, but there's no power. Religion without the Holy Ghost, Christianity without Christ, that's a man's shrink-wrapped packaging of the kingdom. When all along God has designed the church for us to have, not shrink-wrapped, but have robes of righteousness to where we can soar like eagles. In other words, the church is to be a place of freedom. To whom the Lord sets free is free indeed. Just the opposite of shrink wrap. But religion will make you feel like you're in a straitjacket. And we need to be people who understand the freedom of living in Christ. Hallelujah. There's a deceiving beauty of religion that I think we have here in the Western culture. And I want to see us come out of those kind of things. The problem with religion is that it's, it's so binding, it's stuffy, it's suffocating, and it's countercultural to the real kingdom of God. John 15 tells us how that we can live a life to where we are not shrink-wrapped, but where we have vitality, where we have fresh food all the time. It says this, abide in me and I in you. That word abide means to live. We are to live in him. We don't just set up camp there. We abide there. We live there day in and day out. Abide in me and I in you. Christ is living in us. Amen. It's a great relationship as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Hallelujah. That's called relationship. Amen. Salvation is a person, not just an event. Psalm 42.1 says this, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. And I hope you are getting up each and every day and your spirit is panting for the Spirit of God. Just as the deer pants for the water. And do you know that that deer pants for the water today and he'll pant for it again tomorrow and he'll pant for it again the following day. And that's the same way we need to be with the Spirit of God. I get up today and I hunger and thirst after righteousness. I get up tomorrow and I hunger and I thirst after righteousness. I get up the next day and I hunger and I thirst after righteousness. And I want the presence of God. I don't want just to remember the date that I got saved. I want to remember the ongoing, every day, day in and day out relationship, minute by minute, moment by moment that I have with my loving Father. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So salvation is a person, not just an event. How uh, can we live that out in a fresh way each and every day? We, it takes each other. We have to be in this together. Praise God. 
But I want, want you to see here by Scripture that it is a person. Salvation is a person. Acts chapter 2, verses 46 and 47 says this, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Have you ever noticed that term? Being saved. Let's look at another scripture. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Another one, 2 Corinthians 2.15. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Do you know whenever you got saved, that was not the end and all. That was not... That was not the event that took place, and then you get to go to heaven, and you don't have to do anything from that point on. No, that's just the starting point. That is the starting point of living an an entire life saved. You were born again. From that day, you are to live a different life. You are to live a new life. You are to live totally different than what you've lived in the past. And so it is a process. So we are being saved. You and I, if you've received Christ as your Savior, you and I are being, we are in progress of that salvation. It will last until the day we die. So, it has to be a person. It can't be an event. It's a one-on-one relationship with a person. He is my salvation. Praise the Lord. So, salvation is not a one and done. It's, just, it's the launching point for us to live the rest of our lives. Praise the Lord. Being a person, once again, Exodus 15, 2, it says, The Lord is my strength and my song, and He has become my salvation. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Isaiah 12, 2, Behold, God is my salvation. Aren't you glad you have a personal relationship with a person who is your salvation? And since salvation is a person, that also means that it's not a destination. I spoke to you about this a couple of months ago, but I just want to recap real quickly here. I've uh, mentioned about that salvation is not about going to heaven. Will we go to heaven if you've received Christ? Absolutely. But it's not about going to heaven. It's about the person of Jesus Christ. Paul said this in Philippians 1.23, For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to, to depart and go to heaven. No, he says, and to be with Christ, which is far better. It's much, much better going to a person than it is going to a place. It's good going to the place, but it's even better when the person is there. We used to have a, I, uh, I, my dad's sister lived in Oregon. And we would travel out there. By the time I was 12 years old, we, we had traveled out to Oregon uh, three or four times. And we'd always go a different route. So by the time I was 12 years old, I'd been in 35 different states. Oregon was a, a, a really nice state. But what made it special was my aunt lived there. If she hadn't lived there, we probably wouldn't have gone to Oregon to begin with. But praise God for the person that is there. 
Heaven's going to be marvelous, but it's going to be marvelous because Christ Jesus is going to totally permeate the place. His presence is going to be everywhere. But do you know that's the way it should be here on earth? His presence needs to be permeated here. And there is this purpose that we have, and I'll get into that here in just a moment. So since salvation is a person, that also means that we didn't just get something, we got someone. Some people will say, well, I got saved. Well, I understand what they're saying whenever they, I used to say that myself, I got saved. But it's really more accurate to say, I got Jesus, and he got me. Praise the Lord. That makes it personal. That is not Christianity without Christ. That is my Christianity with no one else other than Christ. Hallelujah. Of course, the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. It'd be like... uh, I read an article the other day about a, a, a guy who had taught marriage classes and had taught seminar, even had seminars and marriage classes for years. And it was several years before anybody ever found out that he wasn't married. And he taught these marriage classes all these. Well, that's okay. I mean, yeah, he, he could learn a lot of stuff. I'm sure he'd learn more if he'd have been married. <laughs> but you know what that said to me? He was able to teach for years about marriage And never talk about a spouse. We can do the same thing with Christianity. We can talk about church. We can talk about the fellowship. We can talk about the the gatherings that we have. The wonderful meals that we have. We can talk about, oh man, church was so good today. And never talk about Jesus. And that's a tragedy that I am seeing being fulfilled at a greater level more and more in the church today. Christianity without Christ. And I I mentioned this before too. How many funerals have you been to? And you've heard a lot about God. And even about that person going to heaven. But Christ is never brought into the picture. And we have to make sure, believers, sons and daughters of the Most High, that we're not leaving Christ out of the picture. Life is relational, not just transactional. Relational is New Testament. Transactional is Old Testament. Relational is grace. Transactional is works. Transactions are commandments written on stone. Relations are His laws written on the tablets of my heart. Transactions are rules and regulations. Just work harder. Try harder. A relationship is accomplishing more by resting in Him, by being yoked with Him, by trusting in Him, by knowing Him personally to where I can rest in Him. Relational. Relationship is coming boldly to the throne of grace. A transaction is, Moses, you go up to the mountain. And you represent us. We, we want your transactions. We want the Red Sea. We want the water coming from the rock. We want to be able to look at the serpent that's raised up on a pole and be healed. We want the manna. We want all of your transactions. But that personal stuff, 
that glory thing, man, that's just a little weighty. We, we, we can't handle it. Moses, you go do that for us. That's transactional. But relational is bring on the glory. I want all of it that I can get. I want the impartation of all of that. Hallelujah. I want to experience the very presence of the Most High God. And you know, God, He insists that we have a personal relationship with Him. Since the garden, He walked in the garden with Adam. And then sin came in, and that relationship was abrupted. It was interfered with. But God has done everything to restore all of that through Jesus Christ. He paid the total price so that you and I could be restored to a full relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah, uh, do you remember the veil? Whenever Moses went up onto the mountaintop, and he came back down, and the people were like, oh, man, you gotta, his skin was glowing. You, get, you have to cover that up. So he put a veil on to bring the glory down. And, you know, that's a representation of the veil that was in the most holy place. The veil was put up to separate the holy place from the most holy place. And that, that's the same thing that the, the veil did. The, the veil separated Moses, the holy one, from the ones who were unholy. The veil in the temple separated the holy place from the most holy place. But the Bible says that at the crucifixion, the uh, veil was torn from top to bottom. That's interesting. It was top to bottom, not bottom to top. From bottom to top, man could say that he tore it. But from top to bottom, and they, they say that the the uh, veil was at least the thickness of a man's hand. It was multi-layered curtains put together. It was torn from top to bottom. Why was that? Is to no longer separate the most holy from the holy. The holy now has complete access to the most holy. Hallelujah. And I want to be a part of that. I want to be one of those who comes boldly to the throne of grace. In fact, Hebrews 4.16 says this, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You and I need to have such a relationship with Jesus Christ that we understand we can come boldly into His presence. It's a wonderful relationship to have with the only true and living God. And there's a an additional purpose, I've already mentioned this, about His whole glory being everywhere. Numbers says this, Numbers 14. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word, but truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. This is some of the reasons I'm getting ready to lay a little groundwork here for why the veil was torn. There's a purpose for that. Psalm 772 says, Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only does wondrous things. Do you, do you see that promise? Take that promise in. This isn't part of what, what my point was going to be, but you, you just can't pass over that. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only does wondrous things. Oh, thank God. I am so grateful I can come to you each and every day, knowing that today is going to be full of some wondrous thing. 
And blessed be His glorious name forever. And let the whole earth be filled with His glory. Amen and amen. So how's the whole earth ever going to be filled with His glory? 2 Corinthians 3 tells us, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. I brought a mirror with me this morning. We all, with unveiled face, looking in a mirror. Well, that's my father. My dad. How's he show up there? But I'm being transformed from my earthly father to my heavenly father. Amen? But you and I, we don't veil our face because we've been in his glory. Now with an unveiled face because we can come boldly to the throne of grace. And now we can come with an unveiled face and just let the glory show all over the place. And it's as if we are looking in a mirror and we see Christ Jesus, as in these pictures. We need to have that perspective. We need to be able to look into a mirror, so to speak, figuratively speaking, and see Christ. Whenever you are out talking to someone, you're a representation of Jesus Christ. When you're dealing with someone in a business venture, you're dealing as if you were Christ. How would you treat that person being Christ Jesus, because it's Christ in you anyway. Do you begin to, can you begin to see yourself as a reflection of Jesus Christ? But we all, with an unveiled face, that's that relationship, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord and being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as the Spirit of the Lord. That's how the whole earth is going to be filled with His glory. You and I come boldly into the throne of grace. We have the glow of God. We have the glory of God all over us. And all of us go out into the world. And the whole earth is filled with His glory. Now, you know, God, God could just, He could just say, glory be. And bang, there it was, the big bang theory. And, and glory would just be, oozing out everywhere. But he doesn't choose to do that. He chooses to use us. Isn't it interesting? Why would the God of all creation use human beings? When he fed the 5,000, Jesus said, you go feed them. They didn't know what to do. But he allowed them to be a part of what he was doing in feeding the 5,000. And he wants to do that each and every day. He wants to use us for his glory to be all over the earth. But we're never going to fulfill that if we're not convinced that you are a glory carrier. Do you are you convinced of that? Or as Pastor Josh says often, do you still just see yourself as an old sinner saved by grace? Or can you begin to see yourself as one who has been redeemed from the curse? You are a glory carrier. Hallelujah. And then, you know, <laughs> it's interesting to me, too, that this whole relationship thing with, with God, He puts His glory upon us through Christ Jesus. But not only, He's even ramped it up beyond that to where He's not only just on us, 
He's in us. Jesus Christ came as what? Emmanuel. Which, what does that mean? God with us. But now, since the resurrection, he's ramped it up even more than Emmanuel, God with us. It is now God in us. Christ in us. What is it I say all the time, Tammy? Christ in us, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. Isn't it amazing that the God of all creation would use his created as his temple? As the place where he's going to rest, where he's going to live, now he chooses us. He created all things, and then he says, I'm going to make my dwelling place inside of those whom I've created. It's mind-boggling. It's just mind-boggling. Salvation is a person, not an event. Life is relational, not just transactional. As we ponder that thought, give me that last one there, Chad. As we ponder that statement, salvation is a person, not an event. I really think that there's somebody, maybe several of you here this morning, that that simple term, salvation is a person, not an event, life is relational, not just transactional, can really change the way that you go through your Christian life. It can change the way you, you think. You see, we have to renew our mind to the things of God because our minds are countercultural to the, to the kingdom. The kingdom of this world is totally opposite of the kingdom of heaven. And we are to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Jesus prayed that. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We need to be bringing his kingdom to this, this world. And if you'll begin to live your life beyond the day that you was born again and make it a personal relationship, Christ is my all in all. I am nothing without him. He is the vine. I am the branch. I am totally dependent upon him. I cannot go through another day without him. Because you know many people, they they. I, you know, I can, I can make it. I can do it. And we sometimes live our Christian life the same way. And what that winds up being is a life of works rather than a life of grace, a life of rest, a life of peace. Life is relational, not just transactional. Well, I'll tell you, if you're going to live your life as if it's transactional, you're going to be working all the time to try to strive to be better, to do this, to do that. You're always seeking his his hand instead of seeking his face. You're always going to want his hand out instead of his hand up. You're always going to want what he has for you instead of him being your all in all. Let's live a life that is personal and is relational. Amen. Let's stand. Praise the Lord. Father, I thank you. That you have gathered together a holy people. And we now can come boldly to the most holy. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your grace, your mercy upon us. We thank you, Lord, that the whole earth will be filled with your glory. 
because we, your people, are full of your glory and we'll go out into this lost and dying world and show them the true living God. We bless you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more messages like this or information about our church, please visit harmonychurchfamily.org.